Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good? Good to be in the room. And just like Brian said, good morning to our audience online. It's good to have you. Man, it is good to be back with you and just in this space together. And uh, I'm really excited just for what God has for us over the next couple minutes together. And also for the next couple weeks for the series that we're diving into. And uh, I mean, just it's no surprise or it's no secret to realize that uh, all of us came in this morning with different expectations. Did we not? You know, I think if, if we look at the last 18 weeks, for some of us, the more extroverted us in the room, uh, it's been a nightmare. Can I get an amen? For some of the introverts, this has been a dream come true. Do we get an amen on that one? All right, so we've identified who is who in the room. But here's the thing, all of us came in today to this service this morning, all of us watching online right now have expectations for what we're going to receive, what we're going to experience, and what we're going to do over these next couple minutes together. And here's the funny thing about these expectations that many of us bring in, expectations of others, expectations of ourselves, expectations of church, expectations of God. All of us bring these expectations. The funny thing about expectations is this, not one of ours are the same that we all come in with a different set and a different combination of expectations that we want to experience over the next couple of minutes together. And here's the great opportunity that we have as a church, a great opportunity that we have in the room today right now, a great opportunity that we have of our church watching online, the rest of us who are not with us in the room, we have an opportunity to come back together differently, that we, we actually can come back stronger we don't have to come back divided. We don't have to come back separated. We don't even have to come back uh, all agreeing or unified under everything. But what we can do and what we can agree on is that we can all come back stronger in a couple key areas of our faith and our relationship with God as a church and his representatives and ambassadors for the world. That's why we're here today. That's why we're here online today. And I believe God has something really important and powerful and special for just these next couple moments together. So here's the question. How can we come back stronger together? Today's focus is all going to be on prayer. It's all going to be on prayer. And so to set that up or to understand where we're going in this service in particular, uh, we actually have to go back to the book of Acts. And to set up the scene of where we're at, there's a, uh, the disciples who have followed Jesus. They've been with Jesus for three years. They've watched him heal people. They've watched him do miracles. They've been there. They've been in the front row watching Jesus do miracles and heal people and teach and preach and travel. They have watched Jesus and walked with Jesus and been with Jesus for so long. But it comes to this point then of a story we're all familiar of, of Good Friday. The tide turns and things change and circumstances change. And so Jesus ends up in custody. Jesus ends up on a cross and Jesus ends up dying of which the disciples went. Jesus was with us and now Jesus is gone. Three days later, you know the rest of the story. Jesus is with them again. Jesus rises from the dead. It says he spent 40 days with his disciples, talking with them, teaching them, traveling with them. But, but close, proximate, right? Local. And so Jesus, at the end of this 40 days, or right towards the end of the 40 days, he turns to his disciples and he says this. This is going to be Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, talking about Jesus, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. Stay here. Stay local. Stay proximate. But wait for the gift my father promised. The gift which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is speaking to his disciples saying, I'm going to leave and you are going to receive a gift, but don't leave this place without the gift. Why? Here's what he says, verse 8, just a couple verses later. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying, he's looking at his disciples, those that have followed, those that have tracked, those that have been with him, that have been witnesses of what Jesus has done. Jesus is saying, God, our Father, wants to give you a gift. I am leaving, the gift is coming, and it's for preparation for what God is gonna do through you for the sake of the world. Wait for the gift. So here's what happens. Let's keep reading. Uh, Acts chapter 2 Uh, or Acts 1, verse 12. Here's what it says. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. So Jesus ascended right in front of them, goes up into the clouds and disappears. And the first thing the disciples do is they return to where? Jerusalem. It's on the screen. Come on. They return to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, catch this, they went upstairs to the room that they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. You catch it? Who's there? All of the disciples. 11 out of 12, right? Judas is no more, as we know from the story. So here's all 11. They're all gathered together, and for what purpose? Let's keep reading. They all join together. Say these three words with me. Constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. It says the disciples came together. Jesus was here, then Jesus was gone, and then he was here again, and now Jesus, we just watched him. He ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God Almighty, and so we're by ourselves again, but he told us to wait because there's a gift coming from God, and where do they go? What do they do? They're spending time together this group and this unit together constantly in prayer in anticipation of the gift that God intends to give them. Can I ask you a question? The question is this, what, thank you, yes you can. Here's the question, don't you love the family service? I do, I love it. Here's my question, what do you think they prayed for? Picture them in the room. Now they are gathered together. I mean, these men and women who were on fire for the Lord that saw the resurrected Jesus, they saw the nail holes in his hand and the spear scar in his side. They saw Jesus ascend into heaven before their very eyes. This group of people is the start of the church. And I can imagine them all gathering hands in that room, ready to pray, and praying something like this. God, please protect us. Please keep us safe. Please make life easy. Please protect our retirement. And please keep us from getting sick. In Jesus' name, amen. Is that the prayer that you picture? Why? How boring is that? I mean, if you've tracked with the story and if you've watched for three years the disciples of Jesus, what do they have to fear? 
Jesus said, I am the son of the living God. Holy Spirit lives inside of me and dwells inside of me and gives me power to do these things that are unimaginable, that are crazy, that you've never seen anyone do in your world, in your life, in forever. You've seen me do them, and now I'm going to give you the same gift. Do you think they're afraid? I mean, if we're being honest, maybe a little bit. Do you know the prayer that I think or that I can anticipate or I picture them praying? It goes something like this. God, give us boldness to preach when it's uncomfortable. God, give us courage to sacrifice for others when it costs me more than I'm willing to give. God, give us signs and wonders to demonstrate who you are to an unbelieving generation. God, give us wisdom as others come to us in search of you. Give us articulate speech. God, give us the wisdom to point them to you, to use Scripture, for Scripture to come alive in me and point people straight to you. God, give us favor with people so that they see who you are, that you are alive and well and working in us for the purposes of your kingdom. That is the kind of prayer that I would anticipate this group of disciples coming before the Lord constantly in prayer over and over and over and over and over again, saying, God, give us more boldness. Give us more courage. Give us more opportunity. God, lead us right now to lay down our lives for the purposes of you and for your kingdom. God, we pray for this in Jesus' name, and here's why. If I can tell you why, here's why. Because big moves of God are often preceded by big moves of prayer. Don't you wonder why, if God was going to give the disciples the Holy Spirit, why not as Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit descends? How come it didn't happen just like that? In our world, doesn't that make sense? You're saying, God, according to our plan, I mean, there's going to be a vacancy. Go ahead and send it now. But there's a specific season of preparation that God sets aside for his disciples so that they come to him in prayer for a gift they've already been promised, but they come together, they gather together under one spirit, one unity, one purpose, and that is God Almighty himself furthering his kingdom through their lives. They come together. They gather and they say, God, we are waiting in anticipation for the gift that you will give us on your timeline. And they do that until it happens. So here's what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I just love this. You see the perpetual meeting, the perpetual closeness that they have of one another, that here they are, they're ready, they're together. But let's keep reading. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Luke is the one writing this. He's a doctor. He's trying to articulate, here's what's happening. A violent wind came, violent, and came through. I mean, you could hear it. You could feel it. It swooped in. And it says this. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is such a crazy scene. I mean, just picture Luke going... Uh, I don't know how to describe what's happening right now, but I'm trying to describe, and there's the big whoosh, and it's really violent, and then it comes in, and then this thing separated. It's like a tongue of fire. How many of you know what a tongue of fire is? I don't. 
Luke's trying to write this, Dr. Luke, right? A tongue of fire, it's separated, and, and now they're all displaying the power of the Holy Spirit that just came and permeated their space, permeated their room, to the point that they start speaking different languages. That's what the text actually translates to. It says they spoke different languages that people around them could understand. Okay, so that's like Luke's writing, and he's going, Mark is speaking Spanish right now. Mark can't speak Spanish. I just know that. I've been with him for three years. Mark is speaking Spanish, and Matthew is over here. Matthew's speaking French. That's a weird language. And then James over here is speaking Irish, and he sounds like an idiot. Like, you're just watching. You're like, none of them know how to do any of this, and yet the Holy Spirit comes and enables them to speak in a powerful way, in a way that is understood by the people around. It's languages of that community that now all these different people can understand they are saying something and doing something and demonstrating something that they could not do before because of the Holy Spirit. God said, I'm giving you a gift. And with this gift comes power. And with, with this gift, you will be a witness to the world around you so that they will know I am alive in you. Do you want an experience like that? Like if we're honest, if it's just you and God, and God said, if you want an experience like that, I'll give it to you. Do you pray for it? If I just speak personally for a second, my answer would probably be no. It would definitely be no. And you might say, why would you say that? And I'll articulate maybe some of my reasons, and maybe you'll have some of them in common. Because that scares the heck out of me. Because I can't imagine not having control. <laughs> not, I, can't I, I don't want to explain to the people around me what's going on if, if I can't articulate it. And, and, and maybe here's an insecurity piece. What if it happens for other people in the room but not for me? God, what if, what if something unbelievable happens in front of me that, that makes me look bad? What if it makes me look foolish? What if it makes me look dumb? What if it makes the people around me question me or attack me or accuse me? God, what if you showing up in my life in a powerful, tangible, invisible way to the people around, what if you showing up costs me something for my life? Do you feel any of that? Because I think if we're honest, many of us are afraid of this gift called the Holy Spirit. You know, even in West Michigan, if we could speak to this, um, have you ever wondered why there's so many different denominations? Uh, I, I once lived right off of the street here in West Michigan that actually had the Guinness Book of World Records for the most churches in a specific area. Like, as a Christian, that's a little embarrassing, isn't it, to the rest of the world? Because you, you can imagine them asking, why would you have so many different churches taking up all, the, all these different spots and paying for buildings and maintenance and stuff? Why would you have all of these different churches all in one place, all right next to each other, and 95% and of what they believe is going to be the same? Do you know what that 5% is that most of them differ on? The gift 
called the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, what it often does inside of us is it makes us uncomfortable. What the Holy Spirit does is it, it makes it difficult for us to explain what happened. When the Holy Spirit comes, it often costs us something. And I think if we're really honest, many of us don't desire an experience like the disciples had in the early church of the Holy Spirit showing up because it weirds us out or it scares us or we're not sure what box to put it in. And what we'd rather do with God is say, God, I have a plan and I would like to tell you my plan and I would like to tell you how you fit in my plan. So you can show up at this moment and you can do this specific thing and when you're done, I got it. And by the way, if there's an emergency, just pick up the phone when I start praying. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you disagree with me, or if you say, no, I'm not that far, I think this is how a lot of it goes for all of us, okay, or different pieces of this. God, here's the thing. I really need to get into the school. I want to go to the school. I want to get a degree. Please get me accepted. God, now get me, get me through this school. Get me through this degree. And now, now God, after school, would you please give me a, a job? in this field with this type of salary. And then God, would you please bring the person I'm gonna marry? And then God, would you please bring kids? And then this one, the prayers totally change. And they say, God, grandkids, grandkids, just get me through the kids phase so I can get to the fun phase. God, give me grandkids. And then after grandkids, God, early retirement. Oh, it sounds amazing. And then here's the cherry on top, Lord. Give me health and protection and safety and, and early retirement. But God, the cherry on top would be, God, the cottage on the lake, this one. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you see the difference? One way of approaching God is saying, God, I'm surrendering everything I am to you and to your purposes to do whatever it is that you decide. I will follow you. I will sacrifice for you. I will give up my very life for you. That's one box. The other box that so many of us live in is, God, I have a plan. I have a purpose. Here's how you fit. And if God could respond... If you could hear what he might say to you, here's what I would anticipate. God saying to you, the only problem with your plan is that you don't need me for your plan. You can do your whole life without me. But if you truly want to do and to be who I have created you to be, means you need me. You need me. And so many of us go through life and we wonder, God, where are you? Why can't I hear you? God, why won't you bless my plan? And if we really start digging, it's because it's our plan. And we don't truly need this gift that he intends to give us called the Holy Spirit. God's great desire for us, for humanity, is to dwell with us. We see it in Genesis, in the creation account, God, God creates Adam and Eve, and we talked about this last week, the first day that they spend together is a Sabbath day. It's God and humanity together as one, and they're walking the garden together, and they're enjoying one another's presence. God says, I, I made this beautiful creation, and I want to be with it. 
It's different than all the rest. I want to be with my creation. But if we walk through here and then after sin occurs and it separates, God was no longer with humanity in the perfection of the garden, but there was distance now between God and humanity. Here's what I mean. If we look at Exodus, God would be beside his people. God would be beside. They leave uh, Egypt, they're in the wilderness. We just got done with that series called In the Wild. The Israelites are moving all throughout the wilderness for years, decades, waiting on God's provision to take them into the promised land. But God would be found within their dwelling in the Ark of the Covenant. God lived, God resided, God was next to, he was beside them within the Ark of the Covenant, which then turned into a tent. God then had a tent in which, that's where God resided. Then the tent became a temple, a permanent building, a permanent dwelling. God was in the temple, and then even within the temple, there would be a separation of where we as people could be in the temple and where God could be in the temple. It's called the Holy of Holies. It was separated by a curtain. But God, you guys know this, Good Friday, when Jesus dies on the cross, the curtain separates. It was the curtain separating the Holy of Holies with the rest of the temple. God said, I'm breaking out. I don't want to be just beside you. I want to be among you. I want to be among you. The person of Jesus was among us. For the first time, I mean, think about this. For the first time since the garden, God walked with humanity in a way that they could touch him, they could hear him, they could probably smell him. I mean, God was so tangible. God had moved from beside his people to among his people. But then Jesus introduces this new theme, this new idea to his disciples. And he said, there's one more layer. There's one more layer. In fact, the the father is going to send you a gift and the gift is going to be amazing. It's going to be life-changing. With it, it's going to come power. With it, you will be witnesses. With it, you will further my kingdom in ways you would never be capable of on your own because of this, because I don't want to dwell among you. I want to dwell within you. I want to dwell right here, that there is no separation. There is no distance. You and I are one. God's great desire is to dwell within you. And there's this crazy irony. And the irony is this. Many of us are afraid of that gift. Many of us are afraid of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Um, For men's retreat, it's just one of the last large events that we did before this last season that we've been in. Um, I was looking for something really cool and fun and out of the box to do with a bunch of guys on this retreat. And one of the guys that was part of our leadership team threw out the idea and he's like, man, I'm just thinking like, it'd be cool to do something with like a remote control car. And I was like, that sounds like an awesome idea. It sounds really interesting, but where in the world are we gonna find a car that's A, affordable, and B, cool enough that just like everybody leans in, everybody loves it. And so we have this partnership with the storehouse. It's called the storehouse. They're this third of our building. And the storehouse is a ministry that exists. They, they take donated product, all kinds of product, take donated product, they partner with other businesses, churches, nonprofits in the community, and it's like this exchange house 
businesses who have extra of something or a product that they can't use or it's been returned or whatever, they donate it to the storehouse and the storehouse actually gets it into the hands of people, of nonprofits and churches that could use it for the sake of the kingdom. So this is what's crazy. We're over there. We're a partner of the storehouse. We're walking through and no joke, I walk up and there is a wall of remote control cars. And the inner child David went ballistic because this is what I found. Look at this. Where was this when I was a kid? That's what I want to know. I mean, this thing is huge, but here's the other funny thing about like this type of car. Do you see the front? What's it say? Four by four? This has more capacity. This has more ability than any real vehicle I've ever owned. You can throw four-wheel drive on this thing and drive over and into and out of anything. So I'm thinking in my mind, right, I have like a, a 16, 18-month-old at home. I'm going, I am going to be a hero. Like this thing's so big, he could sit on top of it and I could drive him around. Like I start getting excited, my, my wheels are turning, I'm like, this is gonna be perfect, he's gonna love it, and he's gonna be able to do this thing he's never been able to do, I'll give him the controls, we'll let him drive it, and so he's taking a nap, right? And I bring it in and I set it up, I put it in the living room just right, and of course I have like some obstacles in front, I'm like, I'm just gonna demonstrate this in all of its glory, it's gonna be amazing. So Judah wakes up, Shannon brings him down, and he's in the living room, and he walks in and he looks at the truck, and this is all he says. Oh. And I'm like, here it comes, here it comes. And then he screamed and ran the opposite direction. I'm like, am I raising a boy here or what? Like what? Come back. So he's terrified and he, he's hiding from it. And he's walking around like this and staring at it. I mean, just dirty looking at it. I'm like, what is this? He's never even seen one before. He loves trucks, loves his toys, loves watching trucks on TV. But now that I actually brought one home that he can see, he can touch, he can feel, he can play with, he's terrified of it. So I went, whatever, I'll win him over, right? I turned it on, kicked it in the gear. I start driving, shrill scream, freaks out, runs the opposite direction. For a week, he wouldn't go near it. Wouldn't go near it. He would not sit, he wouldn't eat lunch, he wouldn't eat dinner, he wouldn't take a nap without knowing where this car was. I went, come on. Like, this is what I've waited for as a dad, was to be able to give you this gift that you're just going to go nuts about, and you don't want anything to do with it. Can I ask you a question? Do you think God ever feels that way about us? with the gift he intends to give us with the Holy Spirit. This amazing, beautiful, complicated, indescribable, powerful gift that so many of us are afraid to even go near. What must the heart of a father feel like when he wants nothing more than to dwell within us, to demonstrate how powerful he is, but not to work against us, but to work for us. There's a lot to be afraid of in our world today. You realize that? People are afraid of the virus. 
There's a, whether you agree or disagree or wherever you're at on that spectrum, here in the room or online, there's a lot of people that are very fearful and afraid of contracting this virus. Here's another thing people are afraid of. A lot of us realized that there are entire groups of people in our country, in our nation, that are afraid of people of different races. I think for many that came as a surprise. I also think for many, it's an old story. They already knew. I think there's a lot of us, again, wherever you're at on this, there's a lot of us in this room even right now that are afraid of these rioters, of protests, of people who are different than we are. I think there's also a very significant group of people in our nation and in our world that are afraid of police. Whether or not you agree or disagree, it is important for you to know that not everybody is like you. I think there's a lot of people that are afraid of a recession and the impact of that and the impact financially for retirement, for income, for provision, for security, for job, for family, for location. There's a lot of people that are afraid of a recession that's going to happen. And I think there's a lot of people that are afraid of this next election. Maybe not of just the outcome, but of the process. Of the way people treat each other and talk to each other and families. I think a lot of us have a lot to be afraid of in our world. But get this, you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. In fact, what God gives us as a gift in the Holy Spirit, he says, when I dwell within you, I actually cast out fear of everything else. Because your hope and your safety and your security and your provision is not found outside, and it's not found in your ability, but it's in mine. And I dwell right here within you. Acts 1, verse 8. This is why Jesus desired to give us the Holy Spirit, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you know what happened with the disciples? after this moment and season of prayer and preparation of God working in their hearts, ready to receive the gift that he had, here was the response after the Holy Spirit came on the effect of the people around them. It says this, Acts 2, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want you to catch this. When the Holy Spirit shows up, God moves. And significant, big moves of God are often preceded by big moves of prayer. 
Brian shared this quote with me earlier this week by author E.M. Bounds. And he says this, and I just love the beautiful way it articulates prayer. He says, only God can move mountains. Only God can move them, but faith and prayer move God. So I couldn't think of a better way to land our time together today, both here in the room and also online, to end in prayer. And so what we're going to do is we're actually going to use the distance that we have in this room and the distance that you have watching at home online, we're going to use that to our advantage. It's not going to work against us. It's going to work for us. And so just in a second, I'm going to invite you to stand up, to kneel, to spread out, to walk around the back, to do whatever you want, especially kids. If you have kids in the room, let them do whatever they want to create some space for them and God. And what we're going to do is I'm going to pray for us corporately, together, and we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and invade this space and invade your home and work within you because a lot of us need to hear from God right now in this season. Because if we're going to come back stronger, we need to come back first through prayer in anticipation for God to work in us before he can work through us. So we're going to do that together, and then I want to give you just a little bit of time to do business with God. Whatever it is you want to say, whatever it is you want to confess, whatever it is you want to thank him for, maybe somebody you need to intercede for, someone who's hurting or lost or sick, someone that's distant or far from God, maybe you can use this opportunity to lift them up in prayer before our King. So I'm going to pray for us. The band is going to end up singing over us and then inviting us to sing along. But right now, go ahead, wherever you're at, however you want to get comfortable, we're going to dim the lights a little bit. Go ahead and get comfortable as we're about to approach our God, our Savior, and invite the Holy Spirit to come in and speak. God, we just come before you right now in this space. God, 18 weeks we have been out of this room. And something that's been reminded to us over and over and over is that you no longer dwell in a building, you dwell within us. So God, while it may seem like we've been far off or we've been distant or we've been lonely or forgotten, Father, what you remind us is we've never been separated from you. And Father, right now we invite you through your Holy Spirit into this space. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us as individuals and as a church, to put big dreams on our hearts, to put big dreams for the kingdom, ways that we can leverage who we are or what we're good at or what we have access to or what you've blessed us with, things that we can use for the purposes of your kingdom. God, give us dreams right now. God, show us visions for your preferred future of our lives and how that plays a role. And, and Lord, you know a lot of us are coming in from very different walks of life. Some of us are nervous. Some of us are afraid. Some of us are angry. Some of us feel forgotten. Father, you know so many different things and burdens that we care. We just pray, Lord, that we could lay those before you at your feet right now. And Father, as individuals, we pray that you would hear us. In these next few moments, Lord, let us pour out our hearts to you. And what we pray, Lord, through your Holy Spirit is that you would speak 
to us, straight to our hearts, exactly what you want us to hear.